All right, folks, back on the Boss Man Show, talking about our Atlanta Falcons here with the Alcoholics Zone, Kevin Knight. You see him on Twitter talking about our Falcons. Kevin, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? Good, good. Not as good after uh, last week's game uh, against the Bengals, but uh, we're, we're rebounding. Uh, we're on to we're on to the Panthers, uh, which you know theoretically should be an easier opponent this week. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so you know what, Kevin? Talk about this last week with John Bueller uh, for Fanside about about how look, man, if we had some things go our way, we'd really be seven and up. <laughs> That's how close these games have been. Like this is not the Dan Quinn Falcons where they tap out. These guys play hard every week. Uh, we know about the Brady call. Could have went our way if we got the ball potential. Not saying we won, we win, but could have went our way, right? Uh, the Rams game, play here or there, could have won our way. That's in the Saints game, of course, first game of the season. So I look at it as this, Kevin, could be 7-0, and oh, but three, you know, in, but three and four is better than we thought it was going to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially really getting that 49ers win, I think was really important for those that think that this team does have a chance to be sort of spicy for the playoffs, um, just to make it easier over this next stretch, because they are going into a stretch where they're probably going to be favored in most of these games before the bye, but it's unreasonable to expect them to just sweep all the games that they're favored in. Like that just doesn't happen. So right at this point, they only need to go like four or two over these next six to go into the bye with a winning record. So, uh, that's a great situation for them to be in uh, very beneficial. And like you said, uh, you know, week one, they should have won week two. They, they fought back, you know, they definitely uh, that one was maybe a little bit more of a stretch to win, but they were at least in it at the end, uh, obviously against the bucks, you know, sort of robbed of an opportunity to come back. I think really this Bengals game was the only one where they felt yeah. like legitimately out of it at the end of the yeah. game. Um, yeah, that's not bad. Six yeah. and one, my fault, but no, it's my, okay. It's okay. Nah, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, they, I'm gonna say six and one, but yeah, no, nah, you're right. You know, this game was, but even though they competed pretty hard, though, even though it w- it wasn't the tap out we used to see, we see, see Kevin. Yeah, it yeah, yeah right before out. halftime, right, right before halftime, seventeen points, uh, and they had two drives in the second, right after halftime, that they could have brought it within four, and they just went three and out. So it's like they had an opportunity to come back in that game and really close the gap, and the offense just really struggled in that one. So uh, unfortunate, but again. Uh, not really expected to win any of those three games that we just got through, and they stole a win against San Francisco. So we're not in we're not in bad shape going into Week Eight. And I must say, you had a great tweet about the Falcons not getting rental players, giving up picks for rental players. Because the goal is next year. This, this is this year to me is ice on the cake. Because yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't expect much this year. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest about that. I'm shocked. I'm I'm shockingly surprised and happy at the same time because. I thought, okay, get Matt Ryan's cap number, Julio Jones' cap number, just get through this year, clear to the slate, and spread into next year, filling the gaps with where they need gaps. But it's like, Arthur Smith has these guys playing hard, competing. And this is where coaching comes in, kind of like with the Johnson Brown Dayball. Even though you have a roster that on paper not very talented, but if you scheme and coach the right way, the guys play hard and believe, believe in you, you can get some things done. But it's about playing hard. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that's a big, a big change this year. I think Arthur Smith's been able to craft the team a little bit more in his image. Um, obviously, you mentioned the dead cap that the Falcons are dealing with, with Matt Ryan's being a big number, but altogether, they're dealing with the most dead cap in history, over 77 million total, which of course is 
over 30% of the entire salary cap the Falcons have tied up now in dead money. So they've put together this roster with 63% of the salary cap. And the fact that it's competitive six out of seven weeks and really probably should have been more competitive against the Bengals. Um, it's impressive. And it, it really does come back to coaching and coming back to developing these, these draft picks to finding guys for cheap that are contributors. Rashawn Evans is a good example. D Alford, uh, you know, pulling from the CFL, they don't have a lot of money to spend. They can't go get the guys that everyone knows is good. So they have to go find the guys that people don't know are good or the guys that are reclamation projects or the guys that need another chance. And, They've done a good job of that so far. I've been impressed with the second year development from a lot of these guys like Richie Grant, Avery Williams, the transition to running back seems to be going pretty well for him. Um, you know, we've seen Taquan Graham really take the next step as a, as a quality starting caliber defensive tackle. Um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of, of good stuff and I think it's, it's given me more faith in this coaching staff. And then you look at the offensive line, the pass blocking still not good, but the run blocking has is night and day better. And I think that's, what you're seeing from, from Dwayne Ledford and this, this coaching staff is they're like, okay, maybe we can't pass block, but we're going to run block. Well, we're going to do that. And they've so far been able to, to do that at a high level uh, pretty much every week, I think, except for the Bengals game. That is really the only game where I've seen them struggle to get their blocks on time. But um, overall, they're still a top five rushing offense uh, and still at over hundred yards against the Bengals, even on an off day. So. No doubt. And you know what, Kevin, I feel like this, that Desmond Ritter won't probably see the field for a while because Arthur's not going to bench Marcus Mariota with them still in the hunt, with the vision of being three and four, but weak as he is. Who thought the South South be as weak as he is? The Saints being two and five, Panthers, the Falcons three and four, with the Bucks three and four. So it's a chance to actually win the division this year. So I don't see him benching Mariota right now, going to Ritter with them fighting to take this playoff race. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more like you're you're absolutely right. Like I don't think they're just going to pull. Mariota to see Ritter. I think Ritter will play when the when the coaching staff believes Ritter gives them a better chance to win games. I don't know when that will be, if ever, you know, like this year. Uh, obviously, if they're ever eliminated from the playoffs, I think Ritter will come in. Um, but I, at this point, if as long as they stay competitive, if they're leading the division, which, look, if they win this week and the Bucs lose, the Bucs are only one-point favorites this week, or one-point, I think they're one-point favorites technically, but, you know, it's basically a toss-up in their game. If the Falcons win this week, uh, they will take over sole possession of first place. So, like, I agree that there's not really, unless Marcus Mariota continues to really struggle like he did against the Bengals, and we've seen him have good games like two weeks ago, very good game, very efficient uh, and we saw a game like the Bengals where just the passing game didn't really come together outside of that very nice deep touchdown that finally we hit one of those, but it's, it's sort of a touchy thing. And you sort of know that Arthur Smith really values the rushing ability of Mario. And I think that will continue to be a key reason why he is starting is because he offers so much as a runner and really helps open up the run game for the running backs uh, that 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 is maybe as important as the passing ability in the offense as it as it's currently constructed. No doubt, and I feel like like you said, uh, Kevin, like their RPO effect of Marcus Mariota makes defense the linebackers hold hold before they actually attack the line of scrimmage. They have to hold themselves. Is it really going to be a pass? And Marcus did a good job. He said this for hours for sure. When they crashed down, he got out. He, so I think he's very good at reading on the zone. He rarely makes a mistake on the zone read portion of it. And he can also pop a quick pass, Kyle Pitts or Drake London or, or those guys as well, or the kids or Demir Bird got that, that, that deep pass. So that element with the running game, it will scare a defense, make them 
commit more to the box. We'll give one-on-one say, hey, Drake, you got to win. Eliminate, you got to win. Pitts, win. So I think that straight of his legs and that RPO, you got that triple, triple, triple option there, go and do that. I feel like that's going to keep him in the lineup more than, I don't think we'll see Ritter, but that aren't really values that I, as we both have said here. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Falcons do face a stacked box, which is eight or more guys in the box, like over 60% of their run plays, and they've still had a lot of success running the ball even against act boxes far more than you would expect. And that's good, but they haven't so far really been able to punish teams for stacking the box against them so much. Um, and that's sort of where I think fans are, are sort of like, well, can Ritter give us more in the passing game? And, you know, we just don't know. Um, it's certainly possible that he can. Very talented passer at Cincinnati and he does offer athleticism to run he's not as natural a runner certainly as Mariota is not as as good and and clean with his running he's very fast so he certainly offers you more than like a Matt Ryan would you know in terms of he can take a scramble and run it for 20 yards because he's fast but he's not Mariota you can see Mariota's a natural runner he just he's very comfortable with it he's very smart with it Ritter could get there potentially but that was never really he was always a uh, someone who who was passed first, run second, uh, almost entirely like that. You know, you look at like a Justin Fields, it's the same way. Justin Fields, tremendous athlete, but always a pass first guy. Um, maybe should run more, you know, especially in yeah. Chicago with that disaster. But um, I, it's, it's just like we need to get, we need to take advantage. And I think that's what Arthur Smith wants with this offense as it's as it should be eventually. Because you got Kyle Pitts, you got Drake Lynn, you got two guys that should be number one targets. It should present a lot of problems for defenses. And when these guys are facing single coverage, you, you need to get the ball to them. Right now, we're not really seeing Mario to do that, particularly for Pitts. Drake Lennon's gotten more of the targets. Um, and I think that's just sort of something we have to live with because Mariota is a, a temporary starter here. And I think he's been sort of shepherding the offense effectively. Like the offense is still top 12, even after a bad game in points. So they were only 27th in yards, and you wonder if that's, you know, something that's going to stay, and like if they're going to be able to maintain the scoring pace being so poor in the overall yardage. But um, for now, it's been working. They're three and four, and Mariota's been getting it done enough. Uh, I, I understand fans clamoring for Ritter. You know, I was one of the biggest Ritter fans there was. I was the guy that found out the Falcons, you interviewed him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I've always been sort of like, I think this guy fits. What Arthur Smith wants, you know, Ritter says, oh, my, I model my game for a lot of guys, including Ryan Tannehill. And I'm sure Arthur Smith was like, oh, Ryan Tannehill, I, I like that guy. Um, so it, it makes sense that Ritter is who they wanted to go after. and it, But it's going to be a while still unless Mariota strolls more and more. Like if they start losing these games against the Panthers and the Bears and stuff like that with Mariota at the helm, the cries are going to get louder. But I, I think... Again, you can't overreact too much to any one game. Like two weeks ago, Mariota is the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and I was like, okay, that's probably a little bit rich. Like, he's not really been that good. And then this week against the Bengals, everyone's like, oh, he's terrible. He can't throw the ball. And it's like, okay, that's also too far. So move it back uh, to, to, you know, reasonable takes a little bit on the quarterback. But they do have Ritter there when he's ready, when they think he's going to be better overall than what they have. Uh, and, and Mariota, then he will play, and probably not before that. No doubt. One thing about Dean P's defense this year, I feel like, you know, he's a lot of bend, don't break, you know, uh, mixing up a little bit. Grady Jerry is doing what he does. Grady being Grady, as I say it. Uh, 
But with Terrell week to week as well, Casey Hayward out, uh, Oliver coming back, D. Alfred. So what are you feeling about the back end right now with the little injuries they have uh, with A.J. there and uh, Casey Hayward, who we don't, we don't know when to see him again? I mean, it's certainly not ideal. Um, it's nice that you're going you're going to play the Panthers twice in the next like three weeks uh, <laughs> because they are the, the worst passing game in the NFL right now. Um, even with PJ Walker having a decent game last week, it was uh, if you're going to be down corners, that's the team you probably want to play. Um, I don't expect Terrell to play this week, probably not next week either. It does seem like D'Alder could come back, and I think that would be significant because I think he's been one of their three best corners. Uh so he's probably going to play outside based on what I've sort of heard. And that's what he played in the CFL, even though he was playing in the slot here in Atlanta uh, this season. So getting D Alford back on the outside, I think would definitely bolster the unit. And then I think Darren Hall has been mostly fine as well. Um, Oliver has struggled. He, he, he was good in his first week back against Tyler Boyd. He, he got pretty much uh, worked, but Tyler Boyd's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. So I don't necessarily hold it against him too much. You know, that's his first, full NFL game as a starter uh, since he's come off IR. So he's, he's still warming up. We need him to get back to, to being able to play at a high level with these other guys down. But I think with D Alford back, it's not as, uh, as dire as it could be. Jalen Hawkins is going to miss this week with a concussion. Um, He's already been ruled out for, for Sunday. They're going to have Dean Marlowe coming in. And Dean Marlowe is, is fine. Um, he started nine games for Detroit last year, was like a slightly above average starter for them. So he's really good in coverage. He's really reliable. He's probably not going to bring you the, the splash plays that Hawkins does with his ball hawking and everything. Ball Hawkins, uh, you know, it, it, he he's going to be fine. So I think the safeties are going to be fine without Hawkins. It's more like you're losing your top corner in AJ Terrell. You've lost your number two corner. That They're not going to be able to play as tight a coverage they just have to sort of get by um and you know hopefully the pass rush that we saw against the Bengals can start to show up more frequently they did get three sacks unfortunately it didn't end up really helping them that much they did slow down the Bengals certainly a lot more in the second half thanks to that pressure but um you know they're still I think they still only have like 11 sacks on the season or something like that so they're they're not getting a ton of pressure uh well it's maybe that's not entirely fair. They've gotten a fair amount of pressure. They haven't really turned it into sacks, especially a guy like Arnold Evacati, who I think leads all rookies in pressures. Uh, but he only had the one sack. So you, you have to think eventually that's going to start to turn around uh, for, for Evacati. But I like what they're building. This is, this is the side of the ball. I think that has had to get by with the fewest resources. Like they've, they've invested two first round picks into the receiving core They've invested, you know, money into the offensive line to some success. Uh, they've, you know, got their their running back situation figured out. The offense as a whole has a lot more investment in it. The defense is sort of just having to get by with sort of scraps right now. Um, but you sort of you do like what you're seeing. Um, I've I've enjoyed uh, watching some of these young guys grow, and I think you're getting the pieces to so where you go into free agency and draft next year, and you're like, okay. Now, instead of needing to patch like 25 holes on the roster, we just have like, we need a defensive tackle and we need a top edge guy and we could probably use another corner instead of like, well, we need two corners and we need a whole edge rushing room. And we also need like three interior, like you, you can pick and choose and get your sort of finishing touches going forward now, because I think you've got the depth and the rotational guys 
figured out. Like I think with Taquan Graham, he can be your third defensive tackle and you're happy with that. I think you've got a quality guy in, in uh, Abdullah Anderson who has shown that he's perfectly capable of, of playing. Uh, and you've got, you know, Arnold Ebicati and D'Angelo Malone, who I think are going to form a very, like uh, two pieces of a potentially good edge room in the future. You know, Lorenzo Carter, I think has been uh, a good starter as well. They're just missing like the high end pieces. Like they need another guy like Grady Jarrett on the interior and they need that top edge rusher because they have, I think a bunch of like two and three level edge rushers so, to fill out a good rotation, but they don't have like the guy there that can really threaten uh, an offensive line. And I think that's sort of what's holding the pass rush back at this point. No doubt, man, no doubt. And I feel like this, uh, Kevin, like, for these guys, this is like a job interview out of this world because with this roster being the way it is, hey, prove this to yourself. Terry Fondo this year and Arthur Blank and Rich McKay and Art Smith, hey, I want to be here. So this, I feel like, kind of reminds me of the NBA with, you know, the middle of the Sixers, they were tanking really bad. It was everybody's biggest job. Hey, this, you know, facts are tanking, but, hey, it's an opportunity to play and show what you can do. You may yeah. not get a job with Atlanta, but you may have a job somewhere else next year if you can do what you can do and you make you some money down the road. Yeah, exactly. This is an audition year for a lot of these guys, and I like their their strategy of you know they've gotten they've went out and got a lot of undrafted free agents. They went out and got a lot of you know cheaper veterans, a lot of younger guys that are sort of coming off you know maybe disappointing rookie contracts like Rashawn Evans, for example, like basically let allowed to walk by the Titans, you know after a. Uh, uh, lackluster rookie contract, but he did have very good years with Dean Pease. And as you can see, he's, he's a much better fit for Dean Pease defense. Like he's a good blitzer and he's a good run stuffer and you just need to limit what he, what you ask him to do in coverage. But if you do that, then he's a perfectly capable starter. Um, they've taken a lot of chances on sort of these, these cast off guys. And I think they've, they've found contributors, uh, you know, Carter, uh, Casey Hayward obviously is, is someone that's going to probably take on more of a, rotational role in the future as he continues to, to, to age, you know, this is his age 33 season. He'll be back for age 34 season next year. Um, but they've, they've sort of, I think built out the frame of this roster. Now they just need to get, you know, the really foundational important pieces in there to, to, to build it out. Um, and, you know, one of those maybe quarterback, we'll see, you know, if we do get to see her, uh, that will answer some questions about, do they need to be one of those teams that's aggressive for a quarterback? Um, you know, we talked about the top edge guy, another big time defensive tackle. They, they still do need help on the offensive line um, in terms of pass protection. But um, this team is, isn't as far away as I think maybe we thought going in. And um, with them being so aggressive for a quarterback this last offseason, you know, I've been I've been uh, out there trumpeting the, you know, we need to trade for Lamar Jackson this offseason. So what do, what do you think about that? Is that is that something you get behind? I can, but will Arthur Blank guarantee his contract? That's the key. Right. Yeah. He I mean, I don't. He wants guaranteed money, like yeah. Deshaun Watson, which mm -hmm. I'm gonna get to him like, shortly. But it's, <laughs> I want to talk about Matt Ryan. But yeah, yeah, Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract. Arthur Blank's one of those senior owners who don't want to do that. So yeah. I, I see that's gonna be different. I think Lamar Jackson will end up on, on open market, and somebody's well, somebody gonna do just to have. Yeah. It. But I don't think Arthur Blank being a senior senior owner on these committees will because you know you see how they, they all clown Jimmy Housen for it. It gotta be yeah. somebody who doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think. Right. I mean, it's like they were interested in Deshaun. 
Um, now they weren't paying. They weren't planning to pay him the guaranteed contract, though. That was what made him switch to the Browns at the last minute. Um, so that is an interesting question. But we know they want to be aggressive for a quarterback. Uh, if Ritter is, you know, not the not the answer, like we know they were they were like going to go all in for a quarterback. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they do decide to go all in for for a quarterback this this offseason. But yeah, if, if he's really asking for the guaranteed money, it's just the question of like when he would give it to him. But for the record, I'd much rather give it to Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit of a safer proposition. So <laughs> Yes. And Deshaun Watson led Atlanta to get rid of Matt Rocker. He was so pissed off that. Yep. They want Deshaun Watson. But I think, like, in, in some weird kind of way, it worked itself out for Atlanta because we see that Matt Ryan's arm was is shot. He's completely shot, you know. Indianapolis, they're going to Sam Ellinger now in place of Matt Ryan. And think about this, Kevin. Uh, the Falcons got out, out of Julio Jones and Matt Ryan before they cratered <laughs> into yep. the abyss they are right now. So I know it, it wasn't planned that way, but to get off those two guys as they aged out the wrong way, for my font knows kind of a struggle Jesus almost Art Smith and Terry Fontenot. Yeah, I mean they, they certainly seem to have done the the thing of it's better a year early than a year late with get with moving on from players and um with Matt Ryan, you certainly feel for him. The The situation in Indianapolis was just absolutely terrible when he got there. The offensive line just fell off a cliff. The players they lost ended up being crucial. The, the run game with Jonathan Taylor ended up being really bad somehow. You just you really hate it for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he would have been a, a very – it would have been worse here in Atlanta probably for him. I just don't think he he's a great fit for what Arthur Smith wants to do. And as we can see, this Falcons offensive line is not built to pass protect for a pocket passer. So – uh, you know, I, I think it was beneficial for both sides for him to try to go to Indianapolis and, you know, potentially get behind a good offensive line. It ended up not being the case, and he got sacked a million times. And uh, it, it's unfortunate end to, to, to what may be his, his last opportunity to start in the NFL. But, um, you know, I think it ended up being, like you said, sort of a fortuitous move for the Falcons. They are able to bite the bullet on that contract, get it all out of the way this year. Uh, get a draft pick that they were able to turn into a quality player, it looks like, and do it, you know, while they're sort of getting a chance to evaluate some other quarterbacks this year, you know, maybe it's not, maybe neither one of these guys are the answer. Maybe, maybe one of them would be, um, you know, I know fans are hoping for Ritter to be a potential long-term option there, but um, yeah, uh, the same thing with Julio, right? Like, you know, a year early, uh, they're able to to get picks and they're going to have a pick from him still this year. They're having, they have a fourth round pick from the Titans um, still from the Julio traders are still raking in uh, and they'll be out of his contract entirely after this season. So uh, all the moves to get this team sort of to turn the page on the previous regime and, and sort of move on uh, like all of the big contracts, except for Jake Matthews uh, are, are off the books now. Um, you know, they, they, and Grady Jarrett, they elected to, to, to keep Matthews and Grady. Jarrett. I think keeping the, the best trench players, some of the only good trench players drafted by the previous regime. Um, you know, I think that's smart. And, um, you know, certainly uh, looking forward to the day that, you know, Julio and Matt come back and, and join, you know, the Falcons ring of honor and, and are honored. And I think they're both hall of fame caliber players. So, uh, you know, I, I, I never really wanted to see Julio play for the bucks anyway, let's be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think he's doing a good job right now. Not play. Yeah. 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 Great job. Great job. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Kevin, thank you for your time. Before you go, tell the people how to follow you on the Falcoholic, which all you have going on on your great site there, man. You guys, the, uh, the site is thefalcoholic.com. We have tremendous written stuff coming out every single day uh, from a very talented group of guys. Uh, we also have a podcast and a live show that I run. So the Falcoholic Live is Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We also have post-game shows immediately following the game on YouTube. And then I got two podcast episodes coming out a week. Uh, a film review comes out on Tuesdays and then a game preview that they come out Friday morning. Um, so you guys can check that stuff out. You can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter if you're interested in the uh, the Twitter takes. So. No doubt. He's a great follower on Twitter, folks. Follow my man, if I call it Kevin, on Twitter. Kevin, thank you for your time today, buddy. It was fun to do this. Get down the road and talk to some Falcons again, my brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime, brother.